0: Hello, I'm Alex and this is the Geordie Guide to Happiness. I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath, Chris and Dom. Hello, everyone.
1: Hi, Alex.
0: We're at episode five already. I don't know where the time's gone. How's everyone doing? Good. Mm -hmm. Really
2: enjoying listening to the stories. Always good. Always good.
0: (laughs) I'm nearly uh, halfway through the Great North Run solo at the minute. My legs are starting to feel... 40 runs in, in 78 days, yeah. Is
1: so. that what you've got to do? 40 runs in 78 days? Yeah. It's a very specific yeah. number. Why yeah. is that?
0: Well, it started on June the 28th, which is when the very first Great North Run started. And then mm. it's running until this what would have been this year's um, Great North Run on the 13th. So there's 78 days between those two dates. And mm. because it's the it, it was going to be the 40th great north run this year so all of the numbers come together
1: wow so have you got uh, to run a marathon each time
0: no you you can go out and
1: (laughs) (laughs) no could you imagine
0: (laughs) um just what just what you can really They've, they've got different stages as well so um if you run 100 miles you get a bronze medal if you run 200 miles you get a silver medal and if you run 300 miles you get a gold medal
1: wow and do they use your GPS so, to check on you?
0: Well, as you all know, I am a Strava queen, and if it isn't recorded on Strava, it didn't happen. So, yeah, we're kind of using all sorts of, uh, yeah, things to keep track of it all.
1: When I was at school, we used to do cross-country, and they would make they would check that we'd, they would send us to run to the beach and back. And they would <laughs> check that we'd done it by telling us to, to bring a shell back. And uh, so I used to make. I used to live near the beach. I Fortune <laughs> selling shells every week. It was amazing. <laughs> it's what
3: paid for the house you're sitting in at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I love it. That's, that's an early sign of character. <laughs> <it>? <laughs> so
0: yeah, I love running. So I'm enjoying it. It's keeping keeping the fitness up. It's yeah that that kind of uh, me time headspace. So that's always good. So I'm, I'm quite glad to be sort of getting out every other day. Mm. It's keeping me happy what okay. about everyone else not running not running
3: not running definitely not running <laughs> No. getting my hair cut oh that was, well that done. was an experience i know it was great <laughs> i actually got a little bit emotional um yeah before i no, before you judge me um it was the first you know the first time i'd actually been in a shop uh, for something other than food um since february and you know i really like getting my hair cut it's sort of a chance to kind of sit back for for an hour have somebody just kind of mess around with your head an hour uh well i well, yeah i take my son with me we, we have our hair cut at the same time so we're there for quite a while what are you saying <laughs> yes listeners he's not got very much hair all right? just uh, for, for the avoidance of doubt um and yeah so you know it's, it's a sort of like a monthly ritual so i, I take my son and we both go there and the guy that does our hair is called david he's really really good he's really chatty and uh and it's just a really nice experience so we were just kind of sat there and it just felt like normal and then i think oh I've, I've really really missed this just kind of chatting with people and, and i'm not a chatty person usually but you know that's you know that's a nice space to be in a uh, nice kind of relaxing time and i just like having short hair at the end of it as well so it's all it's all good um so yeah Feels like a reclaiming a bit of normality there.
0: I still haven't braved the hairdressers yet, as you can see from my my Ooh. fringe is past my nose now. Yeah, Oh, man.
3: As is yours. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm gonna have to bite the all, bullet and go.
1: You're all eating a meal in front of a starving man. <laughs> <saying>?
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. Yours, yours is all on on the, the the other end though.
1: Yeah, I've got an upside down head. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. If if we sort of turn my camera upside down, would I look like you? Is that, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We're all now it's tilting like, our heads. Yeah, we're all yeah This, this bit doesn't. This bit doesn't really work in podcast format. Let's move on.
0: Right. <laughs> Shall we introduce this week's guest interview? I think. Um, yeah. Let's crack on. <laughs> Our podcast interview this week is with Joe Cundall, who is the Senior Advisor for Culture at the Community Foundation, who have funded this project. It was really great to talk to Joe about the work of the Community Foundation, who've been really supportive of the third sector, especially now during these challenging times we've been experiencing. So here is me and Jo talking about the work of the Foundation, what happiness means to her, and what she likes to do to maintain positive well-being. <laughs> So, Joe, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me today. Um, I understand you are um, sort of senior advisor for culture at the Community Foundation. Um, I was just wondering whether you could just, for those of you, for those people that don't know, <laughs> could you just tell the listeners a little bit about what the um, the Community Foundation um, is? You know, the, the work that it does, and a little bit about the Newcastle Cultural Investment Fund.
4: I can. Um, I really love my job title senior advisor for culture for the community Sounds foundation Tynan and in northumberland um i love can you, can you it. put
0: that on a badge <laughs>
4: <laughs> i love it because it, I, i'm not 100 percent sure it exactly says what i do um and it works in some context so it works in the um kind of in the philanthropy context, but not necessarily in the arts context. So sometimes when I'm in meetings with lots of arts and creative people like yourself and I say that, I feel a bit like, oh, it's not that I think I can advise you on your culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, my my so the Community Foundation Wear, Northumberland is an organisation that exists to match um, generous people with local causes. So um, we have a range of funds. We've got over 300 funds. Um, and they all have a um, variety of criteria and kind of different motivations behind them. So then um, there's individuals who've set up funds, there's charities, there's organisations, there's families, and there's a whole myriad of reasons why people would set up funds. And it's been really eye-opening to me to, um, to see the motivations behind that. Um, and within, that, um, within those funds, we have um, approximately 15 funds which are, have an arts focus. Um, and my responsibility is to ensure that those funds are spent on um, on arts projects and, and enabling people to access the arts. So that's in a in a snapshot what I do. Um, it might be worth saying that my background is in arts producing and programming. So for fifteen years prior to getting this job, I worked directly in the sector, mainly in theatres, but we did I did do cross art form work. So. So that's where my background has come from. So prior to me having this job, I was the person applying for funds. <laughs> so I see the process from both. I understand the process from yeah, both. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you said at the very beginning there that you love your job. What is it about your job then that you love so much?
4: Um, does it
0: bring you? Does it make you happy?
4: <laughs> yeah, it does. It does make me happy. Um, and it's interesting that you asked this that question after um, kind of in these times that we are in. Um, because I, for May I was furloughed, so I wasn't working. And um, whilst that gave me some breathing space in terms of my family and, and kind of getting to grips with the new normal, as everyone keeps calling it, I, I realised that I really missed working. I, I've i always worked and I really, really, I, I felt like I wanted to go and kind of connect with people in that way. So So I've only been in this post since September, so Actually, I can't say I'm a new girl anymore, can I? Although obviously we've <laughs> been through such changes. I, I think I'd just done my six month probation review when lockdown started, so I still felt fairly oh new um, <laughs> to the organisation. But you know, it's a lovely organisation to work for. Um there's a really um a really nice kind of atmosphere in the office and I enjoy being with people and working with people and kind of having different opinions to people and kind of just you know having those those robust discussions um but it is a great organization it it's very um values driven and it really feels like the values that are at the top of the organization kind of inst- filter through and inst- are instilled kind of through everything we do and i and i i value
0: that so how can people find out more then about the community foundation if if they if they're interested in looking for, for funding for projects and things
4: well the best source of information is our website um although we've got you know following us on social media is also a good place because lots of lots of things are um kind of announced on that we um there's a newsletter that you can sign up for which goes out fortnightly which details all of the funds that are open um at any one time and um, that have specific call out specific criteria so the way the community foundation works is that we are open all the time so we you can apply to us at any point um, if you've got a project, you you submit your proposal for that project. And what happens behind the scenes is because we've got 300 funds and lots of different fund advisors working on those, um, they're picked up and we try and match that fund, uh, that project to a fund. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, so we do have funds that are specific call outs where you could say, um, you know, we need arts projects in Newcastle that look at, you know, something very specific. Um but at any point people can apply. So it's I, I didn't quite understand that before I um kind of really got into the into the job, into the organisation, that we are open all the time. Um, it's not you don't have to shape things to fit our criteria. We do have yeah. funds like that as well. But you uh-huh. but we also are open to your to everybody's ideas and we will try and match that the other way. So it works both ways.
0: I think that's really good to know for for groups who perhaps don't don't yeah. know, un- understand that, I, I guess, and and so they they know that yeah, if, if they don't fit a certain criteria for one grant fund, there is the opportunity perhaps that they might be relevant to, to something else. Yeah, that's exactly. really good to know. So the Geordie Guide to Happiness then um, yeah, I I is <laughs> you know a brand new brand new project. We're just sort of getting started with it. What was it about it that the community foundation thought we we want to fund this?
4: So one of the big funds that I manage is the Newcastle Cultural Investment Fund which is a Newcastle City Council funded project that they um that we manage on their behalf and we have some rolling funds that we can apply to for that projects can apply for we also <laughs> do core funding through that pro- through that fund so there's organisations that get three years of core core funding so it's it's one of the biggest funds that I manage and this project came through as a project application which was at the back end of last year
2: feels feels like an age ago
4: (laughs) it's a very different world (laughs) absolutely Um, so in early early 2020 um we were myself um as part of a wider panel well actually not as part sorry i know i'm rabbiting a bit here but i should explain that it's a set though these applications were assessed by an independent panel um so whilst i kind of assess the information as it comes in and make recommendations to the panel it's a panel that makes decisions about what they they think should be awarded Um, and that that panel is made up of a couple of people from the council and then some independent um, people with experience and knowledge within the sector within the arts sector and the funding Mm -hmm. sector Um, so that came in in 2020 and I mean it's just it's just lovely isn't it it's 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 nice to have a project um that that is part is a project in and of itself so you know we were able to fund something that is the start the beginning the middle of the end of the project some of the projects that come through are part of wider funding bids and there you know that's equally valid and um it's great to think that we can make bigger things happen but this is a nice concise project that does exactly what it says on the tin and you know <laughs> curiosity yeah. creative have got um a reputation for kind of being Kind of sector leaders and sort in in these sorts of projects so it was an it was an easy um recommendation to make obviously this this was pre-covid but <laughs> it feels even more pertinent that in terms of its subject matter right now
0: i think that's what a lot of people that we're talking to have been saying it, it kind of feels like you know we need we need this project now uh yeah. you know a few community groups that we've spoken to have said this is this is something that is is needed in terms of yes that's sort of mental well-being and, and thinking of positive things
4: exactly. this pot of money comes from the city councils partly from their public health funding so that kind of ability to show how the arts can have a positive impact on health and well-being is you know that that's the the thrust of the whole of the whole fund so this uh, and, and it's about place. So this kind of really hit both nails on the head because it's mm-hmm. it's very much about that um Geordiness, <laughs> Newcastleness, um, and about that health and well being. So it kind of it was a, a bit of a no brainer really.
0: That's good to know. So uh no pressure as well. So we'll uh <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm mean, to see what people say in in the context of, you know, Geordies have a reputation, don't they, for being <laughs> Deerful and canny. I'm not a Geordie, as
0: you may notice from my accent. Neither, neither of us are. Yeah, we're we're adopted, adopted Geordie. Yeah, that's what I would say. I'm an honorary Geordie. Uh, the the project team have been sort of talking exactly about that, about what you've what you've just said there about uh, you know the Geordie element to it. What what makes that bit sort of unique, I suppose. And with all projects that we do, you know, when we're, we're starting a new storytelling project, we're, it's a little bit like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get and I think that's that's incredibly exciting but, but a little bit nerve-wracking at the same time so I think we're we're really interested to see yes what what makes different people happy and, and what's what makes one person happy is is won't make somebody else happy and, and vice versa yeah. we all that's what makes us all so diverse and, and interesting so um, I'm really interested to kind of hear all of those different stories is there anything you're maybe sort of looking forward to finding out about this project you've sort of touched a little bit on it there about you know the Geordie element to it
4: I I think I'll be interested to see that the very Geordie element of it but I think I'll also be interested to see what the universality universality is and the common themes. that would have been a better word it's easier to say what Mm. the common themes are across it and whether you can think you know from um an outsider's perspective maybe whether those things are, are um, relevant across the whole country world yeah um, and then you know I think there'll be both won't there there'll be some very unique things like you can only get that in Newcastle and then other yeah. things that yeah that's that's
0: universal yeah definitely we'll we'll wait and see what uh,
4: <laughs> what happens
0: and what people say so looking at you Joe. tell us a little bit about yourself who who is Joe? Oh, <laughs> who is Joe? It's a very deep question for a, for a yeah, Monday. <laughs> the easiest question in the world. It's Just quite, tell me a little bit about yourself, Joe. <laughs> uh,
4: so I uh, I'm Joe. I'm forty. I um, I've lived in Newcastle since two thousand and two, so eighteen years, which is actually oh. the longest I've ever lived in one place. Same
0: as me. Yes, oh. I'm, 40. I'm 40 and I came here in 2002 to do my uh, my master's at, at university.
4: Ah, well I, so I did a degree in English literature and film studies in Sheffield and in my last year at university came to visit my brother who had moved to Newcastle for a job and basically ended up copping off with his flatmate. Um, he <laughs> then became my husband. Um, but there, was, there was a bit of a time lapse. <laughs> so when I graduated from university... My parents had moved from where I grew up, which was in the Midlands, whilst I was at university. So I didn't want to go home because they didn't live there anymore. And I didn't want to go and live where they lived because I didn't have any friends. So I thought, I'll just start again. So I moved to Newcastle because my brother was here and um, I quite fancied his name. Um, so we, I moved up in 2002 and then I did a master's at um, Northumbria University and kind of was a bit like, oh, what shall I do? I I did the obligatory working in a call centre for a bit and then (laughs) um, started my master's in cultural management, that it was called then, Um, and then got a job. Uh, I sort of was like, vaguely, I want to work in the arts sector, in arts administration, but I I have to say, I don't think I really knew what that was. I just thought, I don't want to work. I want to work in a sector that's not about making lots of money for people. So I just sort of meandered a little bit. Um, I got a job at Northern Stage and I worked there for... 12 years started as an admin assistant and then did lots of other jobs and eventually was program manager just before I left then I went to work in Durham for four years as program manager arts program manager for there and then in September this year joined the community foundation that's my that's my potted work and academic history so so we've both we've we've both been here
0: roughly the same amount of time you know yeah. I, I I I left I left London and and moved moved to Newcastle and, and and then never left so you know thinking about happiness and and Geordie happiness and sense of place you know what what made you stay what what is it about the northeast that made you want to stay so long and and not go not go oh. somewhere else
4: it's difficult isn't it because you sort of wonder if it's just if it's circumstance but actually those circumstances all that those little circumstances add up don't they so i think essentially it was about the people i um well i, I fell in love <laughs> but i fell in love <laughs> with the city and the people and a particular person who was here and yeah. um, yeah. and but but, but it, i suppose if you're asking me what i really love about newcastle which is what the thing that has made me say whether i articulate it regularly or not is Definitely for me, is I'm, a, I am definitely a city girl. I, I don't, I have no hankering to live in the countryside. I love the countryside, and I like to be able to get to it. And you can do that from Newcastle really easily. Yeah. Um. I also, increasingly, we've just we've just moved to Whitley Bay, and I increasingly have realised how much I valued the fact that you could also get on the metro and just come to the seaside. And I, I, I grew up in the Midlands, so the idea of going to the seaside, it was a weekend away. It was never or even a yeah. really, really long day trip, it was never something that you could just do for half an hour at the end of the full day. Um, and my, I've got two kids who are nine and seven. Um, and and it absolutely thrills me that they are not going to realise how special it is just to go to the, to the beach. I mean, I say it to them all the time and they roll their eyes at me. But <laughs> they're just going to take it for granted. Oh, mum. <laughs> I love that. I love that they're going to take that seat for granted. And I said to my daughter the other day, one day you might go and live somewhere else, and you might end up living somewhere like the Midlands, and you won't just be able to get on a bus and go to the beach. And you'll realise, you'll think, "There's something missing. I need something." And then you'll come home and you'll go and see the sea, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's what was missing." And she bolts mm-hmm. her eyes at me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one yeah. day when she's my age, she's going to go. You were right about that, Mum. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's. It's just the best of of all worlds, really, yeah. isn't it? As but you also, say, it's you know... just
4: a really cool city. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a river. I've, I always like a city with a river. Because um, I think it gives a focus, and and the accent you can't really not yeah. mention the accent. Yeah, yeah. It's its reputation sort of precedes it, doesn't it? It's it's just yeah. It's just a brilliant city, and and I've always said now that I can't. If, you know, I can't imagine if I stay in this country, I can't imagine living anywhere else. And I don't. I think I I feel like I'm I am going to stay in this country now. And I love that I've got Geordie kids. <laughs> So I'm not a Geordie. I'm
0: an honorary Geordie, but my kids are Geordie. I'm 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 a Londoner. My husband's from Northern Ireland, and we've got two Geordie kids. Yeah, that's... yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and I can he- hear I can hear the accent coming out in them
4: now every now and then. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> and my um my um. So I moved. My brother moved here. Then I moved here, and my mum and dad have now moved up here because they're like, well, it's a really nice part of the world, and our grandkids and our kids are there. So why wouldn't we? So now they've moved here. So actually, oh, that's great. even though none of us were born here, my whole family is here now. Fab. It's quite bonkers, really. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: how,
0: you know, thinking about happiness, you know, how how do you define happiness? What does happiness mean to you?
4: I so I I think I'm quite an in some ways i'm quite an all or nothing person um, but i but i've been thinking about this obviously ahead of this session and i think for happiness in ter- for me in terms of happiness i think it's it's not a it's not that euphoric oh my god i'm so happy it's the contentedness just feeling like and i suppose again it's hard to not have this conversation without referencing current times very much it's just a, a steady line Mm -hmm. you know no dramas just that for me is perfect happiness where you're just like everything feels all right and manageable
0: I was going to ask you the f word yeah how how do you what does it feel like how do you how do you know that you're happy
4: (laughs) yeah it it, it's it's steadiness for me like Mm -hmm. maybe that's at my point this point in my life now when I was younger it was you know feeling like you know that those feelings of euphoria or like anything is possible but now it is just steadiness and I don't know if that's that's something about age or having more responsibilities than I used to for me now happiness is yeah yeah you know I I quite like a bit boring (laughs) (laughs) I know this might not make the most exciting podcast
0: (laughs) I was going to ask about time yes and whether you know have you know what you thought was happiness when you were 15 16 mm. will be very different to when you're 20 something to 30 something and so
4: on so on yeah. I'm just when I suppose when you're younger particularly when you're 15 16 happiness there's a lot about how other people perceive you as to how you gained, mm. you know if you feel like you've got friends and if you feel popular and and, mm. and I definitely was like that. I felt like I needed other people to validate my own happiness. Whereas I think mm. now I feel much less like that, and I feel like I've understood that it has to sort of come from within. Although I'm not, I'm not saying that ed, people have to be responsible for their own happiness because I think we all have a responsibility to try and make other people happy where you can. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think I've just become more at ease with myself and more um, accepting of myself as time's gone on. So. So that feeling of content, you know, steadiness, is easier to achieve because it's not reliant on external sources.
0: Yeah, and I suppose different. Do do different things affect your happiness? You mentioned there before. You know, when you were younger, you know, friends might influence how happy you are. Yeah. Do do you do you think things can affect your
4: levels of happiness? Yeah, definitely. Because I do think I. Um, I'm I'm a definite overthinker and over analyzer. So I do. So whilst I'm saying all that, I do still um, care and worry, which affects my happiness, about how the people that I love are around me are. Yeah. But I feel less responsibility, I suppose, than I used to. Although the obvious, uh, well, maybe it's not obvious, but the the, the um, caveat to that is that my children's happiness has a massive impact on my own happiness. So yeah. when they're content and steady and um, calm, I feel happier. But as I'm sure lots of people understand, children children don't feel <laughs> content and calm enough. Calmness. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling for sure. Um, but I am trying so... to instill in them that they have to take responsibility for their own happiness. They can't just expect other people or other things mm-hmm. to make it for them.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, point. and I think they yes, they sort of start to become a bit more aware of that as they get as they get older, I guess, don't yeah. they? And yes, I have to sort of remind mine every now and then. I'm not here to do yeah. things for you all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what makes you feel happy? You know, what do you what do you do to feel happy? Are there particular things, activities, yeah.
4: that that help
0: with your Swimming. happiness?
4: Swimming. Swimming is my happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of our motivation to move to the coast was to be nearer the sea um i'm not saying i'm going to swim in it all the I was time i you are you right these people cold? that are out in the sea i, have, I, have. <laughs> I did last week i did um or the week before i did do two sea swims and i and i do love it for me water is one of my just being in water is a happy place for me i like the physical exertion of swimming um but I also just like the the quiet that you get when you go underwater. And um, I have quite an overactive kind of thoughts and worry process a lot of the time. But I just managed to calm it. And it's just something about water just stills it for me. Mm. Can you remember when that
0: love of swimming
4: began? I, I think I've always had it. My mum and dad say that I was always a water baby. Like wherever <laughs> we went, I would... Um, I don't know if it was because I grew up in the Midlands, but if there was sea, I would just get in it. It didn't matter how cold it was, or within reason. I was always the first in, and um, so I think I I think I was born with with that, and yeah, just you know, it used to just obviously be just splashing about and playing, but now it's like the actual like physical act of swimming. I just find deeply cathartic. It's interesting because my my ten year old love swimming
0: she's done a level 10 and she's she was doing lifeguarding um relatively recently as well whereas I'm just like you know I like being in water and if I had to swim I could but yeah I just don't have it's interesting I'm I I don't have that that feeling about it yeah he's the same he's like I just don't get it at all and I I I have I have friends who do the whole sea
4: swimming thing and i know there's the panama
2: um
4: swimming club down at whitley bay i am i I mean i know we've just moved to the coast so i am gonna work harder on this but actually i actually prefer river swimming and um well freshwater swimming than sea swimming but Mm -hmm. but i live right by the coast now so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and switch that up to make (laughs) make the most of the opportunities (laughs) at the end of my road um but it is something also about it gets you out into into the countryside to go and yeah. find a beast, like a really good uh wild swim or as my mum always says we didn't used to call it wild swimming it was just swimming when yeah, i was doing <laughs> it but <by laughs> which i mean not going to a leisure center um you you have to go out for a walk you have to um get off the beaten track a bit and i like that about it too
0: so what is it that's so cathartic for you and, and relaxing
4: i don't know if i can articulate it it is definitely something about noise because and, and it's something about doing it on your own because um, I'm not really someone who likes to exercise with other people. Um, so I, I run as well. And I've got lots of people who are like, oh, you should join my running club. And I'm like, oh, I can't do anything worse. I just want to put a podcast on and, or put some music on and go off on my own and be on my own with it. And swimming, it's very hard to have a conversation while swimming. I don't know if you've ever tried. But if <laughs> you you're properly like, you, you can't have a conversation. <laughs> so I like the fact that it cuts out anyone saying that to you. So, mm. so I suppose solitude there's something about solitude I've found as I've got older and I and it's not just because we're in lockdown and I'm living with my extended family I increasingly crave solitude just peace and quiet and no one talking is is Mm -hmm. something I crave a lot and swimming gives you that
0: I can I can empathize with that because I I I run and I don't belong to a club because I I like to just I'm a bit of a lone wolf when it comes to running (laughs) I just want to be out on my own as you say podcast music uh and I've tried running with a a couple of people and um yeah I definitely prefer being sort of out on my own I think there's there's a lonely goat um running club isn't there I think
4: yeah someone Um, told me about that but yeah I just I have I have run with friends sometimes which is partly about kind of having a busy life and making it feel like you're doing something else as well so you can never just do one thing so I would go for running for friends because then I'm catching up with my friends as well, but I am really slow. And I think as much as they're like, oh no, we just do it because we want to have a chat, I think they were like, my gosh, she is really slow.. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure you're not as slow as you think you are. No, I really am, but it's fine. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't mind. I, I, I don't want to be a fast runner. I just do it for the kind of for the health but benefits it- really but
0: it's better than just sitting on your sofa yeah, and not going absolutely. out you've been yeah. out so better to go out than not go out at all so how often do you get out swimming pre
4: lockdown i would swim three times a week but um mm-hmm. or maybe two times a week if i'm being realistic but now i have only swam in the sea twice this year but i think that'll it'll start to ramp up as the weather gets nicer yeah um, yeah So anything else? You've got your swimming. Is there anything else that makes you happy? Family. Mm -hmm. Like family and friends, like having a laugh with people. For my 40th, I had a party and it was quite a validating experience because A, it was was very fun. But B, it's bringing different groups of people together and seeing them get on together and make connections. (laughs) I love that. It makes you feel like, I must be all right because all these people are being nice to each other. So, kind of seeing seeing people you love having a laugh all together
0: yeah <laughs> that sounds all right to me
4: yeah and uh, whilst we're um, that's one of the things i'm really looking forward to post lockdown To so just having people around to eat nice food drink wine yeah. that's yeah. They're, they're, that's my happy place <laughs> yeah pajamas yeah. I, I really do like and i have a bit of a reputation or liking being in my pajamas so actually in some ways lockdown really suits me because you do a lot of zoom catch-ups with your mates but you can wear pajamas
0: <laughs> I, I I do like a good bit of loungewear I have to yeah. say and if it gets to a certain part Dave, I think if I've been out for a run sort of you know maybe six o'clock-ish I'll be straight into my pajamas I won't bother getting dressed again
4: <laughs> oh yeah oh, I'm a bit <laughs> earlier than that quite often
0: <laughs> I think they have said that uh, sales in pyjamas and loungewear have, you know, it's one of the one bits of clothing that has kind of gone up during yeah. uh, during yeah. the lockdown period. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Not surprised at that. So, OK, so this is this is a, an interesting mix of stuff. I'm liking it. So We've got swimming, we've got family and friends and we've got pyjamas.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and and solitude. I like the solitude and as solitude. well. So yeah. kind of two extremes there. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Joe? Um, I feel like that's quite a good summary. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Pajamas, people swimming—they're probably Solitude. some of my defining things. Um, I feel like I should make more about my kids. Like my kids obviously make me happy, but well, yeah, but, but I don't think surely. I mean, I they also make me infuriated too.
0: <laughs> absolutely it's like kind of love love hate relationship isn't it yeah I think uh, and for most people family and friends is is a given so yeah for us we're wanting to kind of for, for this project kind of explore yeah. um other things as well those those random things that
4: you wouldn't you wouldn't expect and I do do yeah. that thing it, there was a bit of a phase of it on social media a few years ago where you had to say three things you were grateful for at the mm. end of every day and they could be kind of small things. And I I do I've always sort of done that, gone, um like what what things do I want to take from today? And they can be really tiny things, can't they? Like just like a look the way you or hearing your kids laugh or just a look that your kid gives you that is filled with love. So I do I, I am quite good at really like looking at the little tiny things. I remember <laughs> I remember one of them once was I'd had a really bad day at work. This was pre-community foundation should I should um, and I was like, God, I really can't think of anything good today. And then I was like, Although I did wear my new coat, and then discovered that it had fleece-lined pockets, and that made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if that was a sign of how unhappy I was. That that was my positive thing from the day. Oh, but, but and know, I think it's important, yeah. isn't it, to go. Oh, that little moment of happiness—that was worth
0: something. <laughs> and I think happiness can be something quite fleeting as well, can't it? You, you yeah. were talking before at the beginning about it being that that sort of constant feeling. I think it can as well be those those little moments, those little yeah. snippets, like like what you were saying there about pockets. You know, trying on a dress in a shop and then discovering it's got pockets. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> now now we're talking. I'm buying this dress. Yeah, um, and for and sure. things you know, f- for me just. Standing in the kitchen and looking out the window and seeing a little a little bird land on the fence, you know, yeah. I think I'm, I'm turning into my dad. Uh, <laughs> my dad, my, my dad loves spotting birds and feeding the birds. But oh, there's just something, you know, seeing a little bird flying around in the garden, just yeah. yeah. And then it's gone, Um but that's okay because that for that brief moment, that made me really happy to see that little bird in the
4: garden. Yeah, and I think um, because of because of technology today. We feel like we photograph, like you photograph your happy memories. Like I know my kids naturally now, if if they're having fun, I'm like, can you take a photo? But actually yeah. there's some things that you can't photograph, like a bird because it flies off so quickly or putting your hand in your pocket. like. And actually those things sort of mean more because they're just for you and they're in your head and you wouldn't necessarily mm. share them, although I've obviously just shared quite a random one on a podcast. <laughs> but, but it's the thing that's just for you, isn't it? That you, I just yeah. think it's important to acknowledge those little things definitely so do you have any we, we kind of, you sort of talked there
0: before about um, things being um, sort of quite quite fleeting um, and you know the, the, those sort of three moments uh, in, in in your life in your day that you're you're thankful for do you have any kind of top tips for people uh, we're kind of calling them happiness hacks do you have any sort of top tips for maintaining or achieving happiness maybe on, on a Ooh.
4: On a sort of more day to day basis or something else, take those little moments and not you don't have to blow them up and make them bigger than they are, but just kind of sit in them and, and acknowledge them a little bit and just take a bit of time to do that. So, I mean, it sounds quite twee, doesn't it? Like, remember the things that you should be grateful for, but it, you know, it's it, just try and find it somewhere, I suppose, but also know that like you're in control of that. You don't need someone else to tell you to do mm-hmm. that, really. Yeah. In
0: well thank you so much Joe for talking uh, talking with us um, about yeah, your your yeah. happiness and yeah we'll uh, we'll end the interview there so thank you so much so that was Joan who works for the community Foundation who have funded this podcast project what were people's thoughts
2: Kath? oh I really enjoyed this one um thanks Joe. <laughs> Um overriding thing was she sounded so contented. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um and I love the fact that uh, she's got Geordie kids <laughs> and because she's not a, na- a natural a natural Geordie herself and their whole family seemed to have adopted the Northeast uh since she came to live here. And I totally got the point that she was talking about um The relationship with the sea in terms of having it on her doorstep after not having it when she lived in uh down down, further down south um and it reminded me about uh, my daughter went to university in sheffield and she she physically felt uncomfortable being so far away from the sea Mm -hmm. and i couldn't understand it i'd never thought about it before but she says mum you don't you don't realize what it's like not to be near the sea which and I, so I was thinking about Debs when I was listening to that um but the, the other thing was she talks about the water being a happy place and actually it's it's my unhappy <laughs> place
1: <laughs>
2: so um so it was really interesting to hear her talk about that and p- particularly there was one point where she she made a lovely lovely noise that sounded like oh <laughs> <laughs> and I thought oh wow she is so content when she's in the water yeah so I really enjoyed that one yeah I
0: think we kind of sometimes not take for granted but I think we kind of forget how easily accessible the coast is to us here in Newcastle you know I think just at the weekend I just sort of said to the girls, right, come on, let's go down to Tynemouth, let's go for a walk, and we were there within sort of 15, 20 minutes, and yeah, so I, I can sort of understand what you're saying there about your daughter sort of feeling uncomfortable being so far away, because um, mm-hmm. it's so nice to be so close, and it doesn't matter whether it's a, a hot day um, or a cold, or w- or cold winter's yum. day, there's just something mm-hmm. about... Mm-hmm just breathing that sea air in, I think, isn't there? Just, yeah, yeah. What about you, Chris?
3: Well, she had some very interesting things to say about um, happiness and work. Mm. Um, Particularly when you had a bad day at work. Not that I've had a bad day at work. It's been quite a good day today. But, you know, you kind of get to the end of it. Oh, you know, I just wish, I wish I could just leave all this stuff behind. But when she was talking about that experience of being furloughed and actually not having that sense of, being in work and, and maybe it's a happiness thing that comes from it. Maybe it's something else, but um, I think ugh, there's, there's something interesting going on there, um, you know, and it's, it does sort of make you grateful um, to be in work and, you know, realize that you know, yeah. what things must be going on for people that's, um, that aren't at work at the moment. So mm-hmm. that was, that was, that was interesting, quite, quite sobering as well. I But I did like her, her little anecdote about was it her 40th birthday party um where you yeah. kind of got lots of different uh groups of friends together all in the same place and I've been there and that's one of the most terrifying things I think I've ever done because <laughs> you're just never quite sure if it's all going to work out yeah right. um and, you know invariably it does because people are <laughs> people tend to be nice and, and that's, that's that's cool um but yeah p- parties of me I, I, I will naturally shy away from them because I'm a bit of an introvert but I, I, I do like being around people I do value having having friends and um, moments where you kind of all get together and then quiet moments where you're just talking to one friend or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I I got a lot out of
1: that.
0: Cool. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What about you, Dom? Um, back to the theme of water, really. And she mentioned the river, the the, the time. Mm. And it brought back, a thought, when you've been traveling, you've been on the train somewhere he have been away for a few days, or whatever. When you come back over the bridges, mm-hmm. you know you're home. Yeah. yeah, you know you know you're back in, in God's own country at that point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a great interview. Lots of lots of interesting things then, and 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 Joe talks about contentedness as well. I think as well, and uh, and also that sort of those those. She was interested to sort of see what the uh, what the common themes were amongst some of the interviews that we're doing as well as, you know, what, what makes us different. So um, I think similar thoughts to what we've been having as well as to what we'd like to get out of the project. So that was really, that was really good too. So if you've been inspired by this podcast episode, then we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can get in touch via email. um, Hello at the geordieguide to happiness.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Geordie Guide or Facebook, the Geordie Guide to Happiness. I'm going to hand over to Chris now for this last bit, because uh, you interviewed our next interviewee for episode six. So I did. Chris, over I to did.
3: I, I, I interviewed Lucy Fennec, Um not somebody that I knew before. So it was quite an interesting conversation, but uh, we had um, a couple of episodes ago with somebody talking about adventures on the open road with um, VW camper vans. But this, uh, this was a conversation about uh, another way of exploring the open roads on, on two wheels rather than four. So uh, tune in next week and you'll hear me ask Lucy questions like this. Are you one of these people that kind of likes to have people around you and to hear her give answers like this?
0: Yeah. Definitely. I'm definitely um, a people person. Um, I think that's been the hardest thing of this whole situation, like not, especially when we're in full on lockdown, not not seeing anybody. Like the most exciting thing was giving blood um, and the nurse had to actually touch me to, to take my blood. <laughs> I was like, fab. Wow. Fab. Thanks, Chris. And thanks for joining us for this episode of the Geordie Guide to Happiness. We hope you're enjoying all the different interviews. We certainly are enjoying listening to them each week. And we hope you will join us again next week for another episode.